Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato with my trusty colleague, trusted and trusty colleague, Mary Gamba. Lessons in Leadership. Mary, how are we doing today? I'm doing really great. I, I said every single time we start a new show, you ask me that question. And the only attitude that you can have is positivity and greatness. So it's another great day. It is bordering on four o'clock. We've been taping since 9 a.m., four o'clock p.m., not a.m. That would be insane. <laughs> and the energy level is as high as it was when we started. How does that happen? It's just, it's all about a mindset and an attitude. And I say it every time we get to this point of the day, I could probably do about two more shows. I'm sure our director, and now, <laughs> no, but because we have a talented crew, we plan, we prepare. So uh, it's just really great being here today. Well, talk about people who have busy schedules, who multitask, who juggle a lot. We're joined by Rakia Reynolds, founder and executive officer of Sky Blue Media. Rakia, good to see you. Great to see you. And I am so excited to be here. I, I, I am now impacted by your energy. So thank you, Mary. And thank you, Steve. That's great. Wait, we infected you? We're <laughs> contagious. We I, are needed it. Zero. I needed it. I needed it. So thank you. I'll tell you who else in a positive way affects and infects all of us. And that's our good friend and trustee, board of trustee member of the Caucus Educational Corporation, Micheline Davis, who connected us with you. And so she bats a thousand when it comes to recommendations for lessons in leadership as I'm losing my voice. Ricky, tell folks about Sky Blue Media as we put up the website. What is it? So Sky Blue Media is a strategic communications agency. Uh, I started the agency 11 years ago, and we focus on thought leadership, uh, strategic narrative and story building for people, products and places on the people side celebrities and C-suite executives. On the product side, we have Fortune 500 companies, uh, large corporations in pharma, technology, artificial intelligence. And the last P was place branding. But during the midst of the pandemic, we changed it up a little bit. We used to be recruited and hired by cities for them to articulate their stories. And one example of that is the Amazon HQ2 bid that all of the cities were working on. My agency served as the creative director for the city of Philadelphia to help them to articulate their brand story and brand voice. I'm curious about this. I'm fascinated by entrepreneurs. I'm fascinated by people who bet on themselves. It's a big part of leadership, betting on yourself, having confidence. Where does your obvious confidence in yourself come from? Oh my gosh, I love that question. And you know, I, I think for a lot of people, confidence comes from doing. And if you look confidence up in the dictionary, it is defined by tackling a task. And if you are an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur, you know, intrapreneur is the person within an organization, an entrepreneurial organization that keeps the spark going. That's you right. are tackling tasks every day. So if you can tackle a task, the more tasks you tackle, the more confidence you build. Even while you make mistakes and learn from it? Of course, that's the best way to learn. You know, you've got to skin sure. your knees a little bit. You've got to fall off the bike a few times to really understand how to, you know, ride uphill and even more, how do you really coast downhill? Pick it up, Mary. Mary's yeah, an I entrepreneur. I just want to make it clear. She's highly entrepreneurial inside our organization. Go ahead, Mary. Yeah, definitely. And I would love to talk a little bit more. You talk about helping organizations and people to build their brands. Talk a little bit about the connection between storytelling. Steve and I always say people remember a story. So talk about the connection between storytelling and building a brand. What is the link there? 
So storytelling, and you just said it, storytelling is really the beginning, the middle and end, really understanding what that middle is. And the middle is very important because that's your transitional period. That's when you go from point A to point B to point C. Building a brand is a, a set of feelings, emotions that people are impacted by when hearing or experiencing your story. So sometimes I think, you know, the, the antiquated way to look at a brand is the logo, you know, what colors are you using? But it it's it's multifaceted now. It is how you're showing up. It's it's the verbal, it's the nonverbal, it is the the set of experiences that people have when you are no longer there. What is your legacy? What is your mark? What do people remember remember most about your your storytelling? And in the world of marketing, we say your brand narrative or your authoritative voice or your positioning statement. So it's really being able to build those things up so that you can leave people with an experience, especially today. Well, I had to follow up on that, Mary. Mary and I, uh, I don't know, 2015, I think the book, You Are the Brand came out that Mary and I worked on uh, for a couple of years. So assume that you are the brand of Sky Blue Media. Now I'm gonna put my blue glasses on. You can't tell because it's not as blue as yours. But I'm going to try something. I'm going to guess. Rakia, your glasses today, do they have anything to do with the brand Blue Sky? Oh, my goodness. I'm glad you asked, Steve. It has absolutely. There it has it is. absolutely. <laughs> and my shirt and my, my, my sweater, my, my nails. I am a walking billboard for my company. But even more so, blue in the world of color psychology relates to trust, authenticity and integrity. And in the world of communications, when I started this agency, that is what we signed up to do. So the feelings of experiences and the set of emotions that we leave upon people are that we are the truth tellers for your brand story. And so when we use the color blue to help to signify that, it is just a reminder. It can't just be Rakia wears the color blue or the people wear the color blue. It is a reminder of our values, our set of beliefs and what we are doing to set out the work that we do in the world of communications. Well said, Mary. Yeah, what advice do you have, Rakia, for young women, particularly young women of color who are looking to become entrepreneurs, who are looking to believe in themselves in order to go out there, blaze a trail, find their way in the world? What one piece of advice can you give to any of those young women watching today? Oh my gosh, I, I can't even narrow it down to, to one thing. But what I will say is, this is a, a an entirely different world. We are in a different landscape where everything is at your fingertips. Things are democ more democratized. You can create your own spaces. You know, we're in the world of coming from Web 2 and going into Web 3 where you can actually control, you know, the platforms that you're on. You don't have to stick with one or two or three platforms. You can create your own networks, your own landscape. Mm -hmm. And so what I would tell young people now is really now is the time to dictate your own destiny. If you understand where you want to be or have an inkling of where you'd like to be in another year or another two years, write that down, flesh that out, and then surround yourself with a word that my um, vice president of brand activism and storytelling uses. Her name is Almaz. She likes to use this word friend tours. So it's not just friends and mentors, but it's people that possess both of those qualities. Surround yourself with friend tours and mentors and sponsors that you can bounce ideas off of and you can say, hey, am I doing this right? And they help to keep you on that North Star. 
One more question. You, I read about you. Is it true that you're born in Brick City, Newark, New Jersey? Yes, I was born in Newark, New Jersey. Brick City. Is that true? Uh, yes, I was born there, and I stayed there until all the way through kindergarten. So here's the question. Mary asked you about advice for young women, particularly women of color. Now, I have this crazy theory. Mary knows the book I'm about to pull up right now, that those of us from Newark have a significant degree of grit. I'm just saying Brick City, there's a reason it's called Brick City, because there weren't a lot of parks where we grew up. That being said, how much of your success and how much of entrepreneurial success is tied to grit, tenacity, resilience, never, ever, as um, a great coach, Jim Valvano, receiving the ESPY award, as he was dying of cancer, said, never give up, never give up. Go ahead. Steve, I think that is such a fantastic statement and question because it has ever, my entrepreneurial journey has everything to do with grit, the tenacity with a capital T. You have to be tenacious. And sometimes people might argue you might have to be delusional. You have to believe your own <laughs> set of ideas over and over again, because if you believe them, someone else will believe them. And, you know, coming from the world of Newark, I, I talk to students all of the time and I, I tell them time and time again, they, the odds were against me. The odds were, oh, you'll stay here. You'll do the, the same thing that everyone else is doing. And if you have a vision, you can create a mission. If you have a vision and a mission, you can, ex you can execute. And that can be endless possibilities. I love the book, Grit. I love the, the ideologies and the theories behind it. I believe that tension and tenacity makes there great is. entrepreneurs. And by the way, shout out to Angela Duckworth, who is the author of that book. Awesome. Hey, uh, Rakia, I want to thank you for joining us, not just for Lessons in Leadership. We'll share this on our other sister series one-on-one -on -one as well. We wish you and your team at Blue Sky Media all the best. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well done. Stay there. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. The North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, The Helix, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. I am alive today thanks to my kidney donor. I am traveling and more active than ever before. I'm alive today thanks to my heart donor. I'm full of energy and back singing in my church choir. I'm alive today thanks to my lung donor. I'm breathing easy and I'm enjoying life's precious moments. There are about 4,000 people in the years who are waiting for a life-saving transplant. Donation needs diversity. For more information or to become an organ and tissue donor, visit njsharingnetwork.org.
Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato. Mary, I want to talk about Rakia Reynolds in just a moment. We just saw her uh, and heard from her. Just awesome. Can you thank our sponsors first? I would love to. So first and foremost, go to our website, stand-deliver.com to check out our previous wonderful guests like Rakia. As far as our sponsors who make this show possible, Prager Metis, Choose New Jersey, Valley Bank, New Jersey Sharing Network, uh, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, Seton Hall University and the Bacino Leadership Institute, the North Ward Center, Veolia, Fedway Associates, Delta Dental of New Jersey, and our newest Devco, The Helix, which is the Health and Life Science Exchange in beautiful New Brunswick. Talking about New Brunswick, in just a moment, we're going to introduce uh, Joaquin Duato, who is the chairman and CEO of Johnson & Johnson, a little company just a based in New Brunswick, New Jersey, <laughs> 130,000 employees. Hey, Rakia Reynolds, she comes to us through our good friend and our board of trustee member at the Caucus Educational Corporation, Micheline Davis, been with us many times. Check out previous interviews we've done with Micheline. Talk about an awesome leader. Biggest takeaway from Rakia Reynolds, who was terrific at, at Sky Blue Media. So what I took away from that segment 100% is that you need to believe in yourself. You need to invest in yourself in order to be able to help others and help those folks to build their brand. So we heard her say it. She talked about how important it was that she said, you want to know what people may think or say that I can't do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. And she did just that. And now she's paying it forward. So it was such an inspiration. Her energy is contagious. And I just loved having her on. So Micheline, thank you so much for recommending Rakia. She was amazing. Real quick. Uh, we've heard people say, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. I get it. I do the same thing. Sometimes when I'm playing golf and there's a certain shot and you have to hit the ball really high over a sand trap and my shot's a little more of a line drive. It's too much detail, I know. I can't do that. And the golf pro that I work with says, you can do it. You just choose to have the club held a certain way that it doesn't get enough loft. You can do it. Mm -hmm. You just won't work at it to do it. Translation, if we tell ourselves we can't do it, I guess we can't do it. It becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy and that is a word in this household. The kids were young. You could curse all you want in this house, but never ever say the word can't. Ever. Whoa, and that you'll never hear that out of my kids' mouths, ever. So you and Bill, your husband, shoulder to shoulder on that? Oh, yeah. Like, and I'm saying we're not, you know, you know us. We're very open. We're, you know, a very, it's fine if you need to curse, whatever. But never say the word can. It's just weak and it's not accepted in this house. So uh, how about this setup? Very rarely can you get the chairman of the board and the chief executive officer of Johnson & Johnson. Well, we have Joaquin Duato, who just was with us. You're about to see the interview. We talked about innovation, the history of J&J, &J, how the pandemic has changed him as a leader and changed the culture of that little company called J&J, &J, and also drug prices and what needs to be done to make them more affordable. Joaquin Duato, right here, Lessons in Leadership. We're now joined by Joaquin Duato, who is the chairman of the board and chief executive officer of Johnson & Johnson. Joaquin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Steve. Let me disclose that J&J &J, Johnson Johnson has been a longtime supporter of public broadcasting and more specifically of the Caucus Educational Corporation and our healthcare program for many years. Joaquin, let me ask you this. Your background coming into the chairmanship and the CEO position at Johnson & Johnson, could you describe it, please? Thank you, Stephen. Let me start by saying that I'm talking from our headquarters in New Brunswick, New Jersey. The company has been here since it was founded 
138 years ago. So we're a proud member of the New Jersey innovation ecosystem, a proud contributor to the state. I am a, a product of the development that Johnson & Johnson has offered me. I work in the company for 34 years, and it's the result of the opportunities that company uh, like Johnson & Johnson has given me working uh, in different regions of the world, <clears throat> working in our consumer, in our pharmaceutical, in our medtech sector, up until getting to the position of CEO. And it makes me very proud to be able to represent our 130,000 employees, 16,000 of them right here in New Jersey. You know, Joaquin, it's interesting. You mentioned innovation, and it brings up um, an issue, a topic that I don't think a lot of people understand, bringing a drug uh, to market, if you will. Um, I'll talk about drug prices in a moment, prescription drug prices in a moment, but talk about the complexity of bringing a drug regulated by the government, federal government, to market, if you will. How complex is it? It's a complex endeavor. Some people believe that uh, uh, developing a new medicine is more difficult than put a man on the moon, just to give you an example. And uh, it's a long process. It's a multi-decade process, and it requires a significant investment. Our investment in R&D as Johnson & Johnson was $14.6 billion. So it's a significant amount of money. We are also a company not only focused on medicines, but also in medical technology. Medical technology, it's very important, especially in surgery, which is one of the most common medical interventions. So uh, science is complex and it requires a lot of attention and time and investment in order to be able to develop a medicine or a medical technology that is going to impact uh, patient care. Let me give you an example of one treatment modality that we are working and developing right here in New Jersey is cell therapy. Have you heard about cell therapy, Steve? Is it cell therapy? Cell therapy. Not, yeah. not T. Not is it T cell therapy or just cell therapy? Because I'm not yeah. sure to understand so it, it. You, you, in this modality of cell therapy, what we do is to reprogram your T cells, uh, in order to be able to recognize and attack cancer cells, specifically in this case in hematological cancers like multiple myeloma. So we have seen tremendous results utilizing this cell therapy, and uh, we manufacture cell therapy right here in New Jersey. So that's an example of how science is progressing in a way that we are able now uh, to address some diseases that were considerable uncurable, uh, convert them into potentially chronic diseases. Let, let, me, let me shift gears and then I'll come back to the issue of drug prices in a moment. But it's interesting how you talk about um, cancer and, and, a, and, and treatment of cancer and therapeutics that can be helpful potentially. But that's something we know exists, cancer. It, it's a disease that, affected so, that affects so many millions and millions of Americans and family members. But when something happens like a global pandemic, what happens in an organization, in a corporation like Johnson & Johnson, particularly as it relates to, to vaccine, the race to vaccines, others, competitors. And I don't even know if you're competitors at that point, Joaquin. I don't know if everyone comes together. We don't understand that. What Could you describe what COVID was like for your universe at that time? Yeah, great question. Uh, look, COVID had many aspects for us. The most important one was that when we saw the pandemic coming, we stepped it up and we developed a vaccine ourselves. 
And we dedicated thousands of people across the company to be able to develop and manufacture a vaccine that has been mostly used in low resource countries. And we are very proud of that. Organizationally, I'm very proud too of the fact that we were able to continue the supply of our life-saving medicines and medical devices along the world. So we had thousands of people in our supply chain going to work every day in order to be able to deliver those medicines and medical devices. And overall, it made our company uh, more sympathetic and it made us understand better that we are vulnerable. And I think that helps us be more human overall. And uh, obviously a big uh, uh, effect of the pandemic was that we accelerated technology and ways of working that we didn't have before. So that's been a change for our organization too. Well, Kim, how do you believe, and I asked so many people this on, on our public broadcasting programming and also our lessons in leadership program, our sister program. And I'm fascinated by this because I know the pandemic changed me as a leader on so many levels of a, of a small not-for-profit production company and a leadership development company, our company uh, outside of public broadcasting. How do you believe COVID, the pandemic, has changed you as a leader? Clearly, I told you before, Steve, I think it has made us more human. It has made us more understanding of the vulnerability. It has made me more prepared to deal with uncertainty. So that's something that COVID has brought into me as a leader, but also into overall Johnson & Johnson organization. It created a higher commitment with our mission. It made it clear what an impact we can have in the world. Now let's talk about drug pricing. To those who say in Congress, uh, consumers, others, drug prices are simply too high. Uh, big pharma, and that means a lot of things to different people, uh, it's big pharma. They are the ones, they're making profits that make no sense, and we need to reduce the prices of prescription drugs. Talk to those folks. I would say, look, our goal uh, as a healthcare company, as Johnson & Johnson, is to be able to provide affordable, quality uh, medical devices and pharmaceuticals to all Americans. And I have to underscore, we are part of an ecosystem. It's not only about the pharmaceutical companies, but it's also about the doctors, it's about the hospital, it's about the government, it's about all of us working together in order to have that goal. If you step back for a second and you look at the healthcare costs, Steve, pharmaceuticals is 15% of the total healthcare costs. So when you think about costs, 15, one, five, 15 of the total health cost, healthcare costs. We need to also think about the 85% remaining. Now, is there an issue of affordability, especially in our senior citizens that are in Medicare in this country? Yes, there is. And I can tell you that we are a company that is always looking for the long-term and to look for solutions that involve constructively all players. And we are very much willing to work with anybody that is willing to try to lower the out-of-pocket costs that the patients in the U.S., especially in Medicare, have. So that's something that you will always find Johnson & Johnson ready to collaborate, ready to do our part. You know, um, it's interesting. Johnson & Johnson is a, a brand everyone knows and has they have their own respective perception of. And what's curious to me is, as we speak right now, at the end of September 2023, there's literally a brand change. We're not going to turn this into a commercial for J&J, but there's a brand change. After 135 years, has is it the logo that's changed? What's changed? 
The major change, Steve, is that now we are a focused healthcare company. So we are focused exclusively in medicines and medical technologies. And we have separated our consumer company, the company that has the products that people know us for, like Tylenol, Band-Aids, and Shampoo, in a new public company, which is an independent company called Kenview. So now Johnson & Johnson is focused in research and development, in innovation, in healthcare, through medicines and medical technology. So that's a big change for us. And that means that we are going to be able to uh, uh, concentrate all our efforts in trying to solve some of the difficult diseases, tough healthcare challenges that still remain unsolved. You know, you talked about the, the 15% of the overall healthcare costs, which is obviously a decades-long issue in terms of healthcare costs in this nation and how they are taking up a greater and greater percentage of the gross national product. It's not a new issue. But you talked about the other 85%. I'm, I'm curious about this, Joaquin. The future of healthcare, not just in terms of innovation and new drugs and new therapies and new treatment, all of important, affordability, incredibly important. But how do you believe COVID has changed not just your company, not just pharma and related industries, but the overall healthcare universe, the other 85%, how do you believe COVID has changed forever the healthcare paradigm? Yeah, COVID has had an important impact in society in many different ways, not only in healthcare. One of the biggest impacts is the acceleration of the use of technology. So now we are seeing more telemedicine. We are seeing that we are doing our appointments online. And uh, overall, we are seeing an enhanced use of uh, data analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning to drive insights, not only in better treatments, to your point, but also in how we can manage the overall end-to-end -end patient journey to improve the quality of care. So I think that one positive outcome of uh, COVID has been the acceleration at all levels of the use of technology, and that will be positive, in my view, to increase the quality and reduce waste in healthcare. One more uh, item on, on COVID and, and the way we work. And if I'm not mistaken, your company has 150 Thousand, actually putting it in our, our chat as we speak, 150,000 employees throughout the world. Yeah. Now with the separation, we have 130,000. Okay. So J&J &J has 130,000. So this is what I'm curious about. Is it fair to say that J&J, &J, that Johnson & Johnson has been engaged in remote communication well before the rest of us were engaged in remote communication because your folks are all over the world? Yes, certainly. I mean, we were always working, uh, you know, connected with all our affiliates around the world. Uh, I believe that the common use of Zoom or Teams or other technologies has been vastly accelerated during the pandemic. So now it's more, more part of the operating mode, but we always have had different ways of communicating with our global affiliates. Hmm. You've been listening to uh, Joaquin Duato, who is the chairman of the board and chief executive officer of Johnson & Johnson. Um, 130,000 employees now, as he explained, the separation um, with this new evolution of the organization. Joaquin, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. We appreciate your time. All the best. Thank you, Steve. And look, I want to put a final word about New Jersey. New Jersey has been our home for the 138 years. 
it's a great place for life science company to be. It's incredibly diverse, very strong STEM education and academic institutions. And I believe that New Jersey is the right place for life sciences to flourish. And we are in a very competitive position versus other states in the country and also globally to make New Jersey a global hub for innovation. Thank you, Steve. Well said. Thanks, Joaquin. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Joaquin Duato. We'll see you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Helix, Fedway Associates Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Media, a print and digital business news network. people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia. More than water. Resourcing the world.